0: They're guys. They do magic. magic. They are the Magic Guys.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 155 of the Magic Guys. To my left, we have Nick Kay.
2: Welcome to the show, friends.
1: Down below, we got Doug Kahn. What's up, y'all? Oh, yeah, and I'm your boy, Josh Nobedo. Welcome to... <laughs> The show, my friends. Welcome to the show. Did you like my little intro here? Let me just press it again. I'm trying to be trying to be more of an illusion. Like we're at you know, the
0: club tonight with the donk 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 and
1: the, the fog. You you picking up what I'm putting down. This is good. At the this club. Is good.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man. Look at everyone in the chat. We got a house to the end. Welcome back, Scott Link. Scott, I he's not a semi regular, but he's becoming one. I think. And we got oh, Tim Askins. Not. Scotty P, the Magic Buzz, Ed, Mark—is Mark a new name in this in this pod?
0: Not either way,
1: <laughs> bro. Well, good to see you again. You're looking, you're looking fresh, my it's friend. Nice
0: to have problems remembering the names now. It's not like there's Bob, oh. <laughs> Bob. Yeah, Matt. hey Bob, oh, I
1: love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love exactly. Bob. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <But> where, where <laughs> is Bob? By the where
1: way, is, yeah, Bob's we always Bob's never we... here anymore. We keep making fun of him and he's not here to, to no. receive the love.
0: I, I Got- here he started doing mentalism. So now he's actually a mentalism guy and he doesn't hang with us so much.
1: Uh, well, okay. Well, on that note, we also have a, a friend who sent in a speakpipe. pipe. Speakpipe.com forward slash the mag- uh, magic guy is sending you messages. We're going to start with a little message from Patrick. Let's see what Patrick has to say and what he's up to today.
0: Hey Magic Guys, this is Patrick from Longview, Texas, and I was just wondering, you know, as content creators, do y'all ever pay attention to the dislikes or the negative comments? I know out of confidence, you know, you kind of just let that roll off your shoulders, but somewhere deep underneath, you know, you're expressing something that, you know, you enjoy and you want to share with people, and when somebody doesn't like it or expresses something negative, you know, what gets y'all going? I know I have one thing that I could always fall back on, but... I was just wondering what thoughts or what what gets y'all keep moving forward. So, anyway, I enjoy the show. Y'all take it easy,
1: Patrick. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for your message, Doug. You get the most comments collectively, so maybe what are you we'll saying with, I get the uh, most paint
0: for my crap. What are you
1: saying here, man? Well, I didn't want to say it, but you said it, so. <laughs> How you handle those
0: yeah, so, mother you know, bees? Day one, when I said I'm going to put magic online, I said people are going to point their finger at you and make fun of you no matter what. Mm. So you put on your big boy pants every day and know that's going to happen. <clears throat> you know what I like to do when I get those comments is kind of play uh, play a little tet-a-tet and see how I can get this hater on my team. So I, mm. I will have a conversation with the hater. A lot of people just delete the stuff or whatever, and you know sometimes it hurts if i make, like if I made a serious mistake or something like that, it can be a little oh. or if someone says that my efforts hurt them somehow, I feel all oh, that sad, but if you 're just a hater gonna hate well we 're going to play a little bit, and a lot of times they end up on team Doug by the end of it so
1: nice so if i if i'm chiming in i yeah i um This is a funny thing, but I kind of feel like the worst feedback is when, like, you get no feedback. Like, if a video just doesn't do well and there's no comments, like, that's really people are like, I don't even care to say anything. Yeah. Right? So, when they do say stuff, (laughs) it's pretty fun because I, um, you know, much smaller scale but to Doug, but when someone does try to take a stab, what ends up happening most of the time on Instagram is I'll just, like, turn it into a positive. Um, like, Oh great. Like they'll say, you know, that was the worst double lift I've ever seen. And I'd be like, Oh man, thanks for pointing that out. Appreciate you. <laughs> and then the next thing is, Oh yeah, but I'm a big fan. And then they follow and they follow me. <laughs> it's like, okay. Cause it could have gone a total roundabout way. So I always not troll them, but just find a way to, you know, like the, the best line, if anyone ever totally, dog mouths you with like just the worst stuff. Um, the line I learned from Christopher Wayne, funny enough, is um, you just simply say, I appreciate your honesty and that's it. And then they're like, okay, shit. He actually took him what I said. He, he knows I said it and he didn't say anything back. Now I'm the dick. Um, that's what I've noticed. But to Patrick's point, does it actually seep into your soul and like suck? Um it doesn't from comments like online, I don't think, from, from people I don't know. The hardest criticism to take is from people I do know, like my family or like my, my girlfriend where I'll show her something and she'll be like, I don't get it. But I've, just, I've learned over time to just try to ignore that stuff. I get
0: the it same happens- thing. I'll show my wife. I'll be like, hey, honey, how about this idea? And she's like, eh, <sighs> eh. I'm like, yeah, but you hate magic. You don't know.
1: Yeah, like I'll give you one one quick example. So this this brand that my girlfriend works with sent us a mug that has their logo on it. And I had made a magical video with um, oh. Sandy's oh. mug and stuff. Nice. That's a good that's a good ass mug. This was well, a this gift. Good. The gift from Reb
0: wife. She makes she makes mugs. She said, Doug, can I send you a tumbler? I said, Yes, you can. Look at this beautiful gift. A little, little merch image she put on.
1: How did she get the print or did she ask you for it?
0: She's, yeah, she asked me for the print. So I, I, uh, mis- mis- I DM the thing. You can do that. You send it in a DM.
1: Oh, damn. All right. So to end the story. It arrived full of vodka to my <laughs> surprise. So we're enjoying that too. Well, that's the best thing. Is it empty now?
0: Thank you, Stephanie. We're getting there. This should be an interesting episode.
1: If you could down it for this pod, that no would one be great. No one wants that. No one wants that. Like if if Nick can just say he was in a band, you know, 20 times. We should get there, you know. or
0: will roll with those punches. We'll see what happens.
1: Okay. Now I can tell he's on the vodka because we got chatty dug today and that's the best kind. That is the best kind for the podcast. To end that story, basically my girlfriend said, can you make a video for this brand that we're friends with that make our shampoo? I'm like, all right. I made a video and I just made it a quick 10-second thing that was using a trending sound. And I made it and she's like, there's not really any magic in this. Maybe don't tag them in it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. Oh, man. I was like, Oh my God. It was, um, cause it was me. It was me shooting a card in slow-mo while it's in the air. A second me comes into the screen, sits down their mug, moves away. And then that spinning card lands in the mug. And I thought it was cool because it took me a lot of time to make. And she's like, yeah, it's pretty quick, and it's not really magic. Maybe don't tag them in it. And so, if you can take criticism like that and let it go, haters. Hey, Did, th- ta- you- Did you tag them though, Josh? Um, I I ended up only putting it in my story, but I tagged them, mm-hmm. and they reshared the story. So you know, we I had a good talking to my my girl that night. Like, I really you know stuck it to her and, and she won't make that mistake again. I hope she's not listening to this. All right, Nick, <laughs> what about you, man?
2: Okay, well, you know, we, we talk about feedback and, and comments and things of that nature, but I think if we're going to be specific to hate, which is what, what I took away from the message, is like, how do you deal with the hate? I think those that hate need love the most. People who are dicks and hate, genuinely need love the most and so i don't treat the hate with hate i don't use equal force i actually love them back as twice as hard i performed just the other day and we were all having a great time and i was i, I like to do a bit in between after my my set and i go that's what i do for a living what do you guys do and i ask people what they do and they're like well i'm studying this guy. That's fantastic that's really good i wish you the best of luck in your studies and i, I turned to one chick who called herself puddle and uh, she was, by nature, a pretty awful person. And you know when you get that vibe but like, we dislike her the most in this group. Anyway, I was uh, like, and, and, what do you do? and what do you do? And she was like, couldn't even tell me her name. I was like, uh, uh, well, um, well, you can call me Puddle. And I'm like, okay, Puddle, what do you do with yourself? And she was like, well, I have a life. She said to me, he well, I have a life. And uh, everyone looked at her and just went, like, this guy, Matt, he's, he looked at me and said, rude. because well, I'm just telling the truth, I do. And I just felt like saying, you have a life. Your name's Puddle. You, 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 like, your name is Puddle, you're rude, as long as if you're, like, dressed to the nines or in that nature, I thought. But erroneous of that, it's like, this is someone who probably is talked down or pressed, like, you know, put shit upon, maybe by actions of themselves. You know, they they, they could be victims of the circumstances they create. But I just chose to treat it with love. And at the end of it, she was a fan and followed my Instagram and everything else because it's the ego that gets hurt when you get the feedback, you know? And now now her and Nick are dating. Oh, hell no. Hell no. (laughs) Absolutely not. No. But that's just what I do. I just choose to treat it with love, take on the feedback without the ego, because there's a little solace that I find, a little comfort I found where if you have an issue with me, please give me a call and tell me directly. And if you don't have my number to call me, then you don't know me. So if you don't know me, I could give a crap about what you think of me. And I find comfort in that. So- that's my two bits.
0: I must say, I've had some serious hate from magicians online regarding the uh, education that I offer on YouTube, and uh, I did talk today. I had a podcast this morning. I spoke with Scott Wells. As I was speaking with Scott Wells, I thought he, he might be fun to come on here and talk to from the Magic Word podcast. He goes everywhere, knows everyone, and I don't know uh, uh the crossover would apply, but we talked about... Yeah. Um, some of the hate, and and I guess if there's anything that hurts, it's when that happens, and I'm I'm speaking of this because of what you just said, and that's that, you know, if people would take the time to have a conversation on an individual level for truly things that upset them, that's the path that needs to be taken if you have a uh, true ill will t- towards someone as opposed mm. to going to Facebook and saying, Doug Kahn is the cancer of magic when you've never said hello to Doug Kahn one time, you know? Yeah. So, and, that hurts and, a little.
2: And to your point and to your point as well, it's the type of thing that if you're going to offer the feedback, you know, there's, there's ways to deliver it. Like for, for me, there's people who have just like decided to dump feedback on something that I didn't ask feedback for. And, and I, and I literally, he just, my phone was just going bling, bling, bling. And I was, I just said, stop, 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 stop. Like, I didn't ask you for your feedback. Yeah, but I want to give it to you. It's like, no, 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 no. I didn't ask you for it. And I know that you're giving me feedback, but the feedback I give myself is 10 times more than what you can actually, whatever you're thinking, I assure you. So mm. back up, I got this. You know what I mean? So if you're gonna offer it, do not offer unsolicited advice. Just politely say, hey ma'am, I took some notes on your show or on your routine or on the bit that you did. If you want any feedback, you let me know. That that's how you go with that. <clears throat> That's it. That's, that's the it. one. And again, you treat you. are leading with love. Hey, man, loved your bit. I thought it was really good. If you want any feedback, um, here's what's up. That's it.
1: Mm. Pretty simple. You know what? But um, I there, there's um, there's someone in in my industry that I had feedback I wanted to give about like some online content they were making, but I don't. I never want to be the guy that's like, hey, like you're doing this wrong. This is what you should do. You know, blah blah blah. I'm great. So instead I asked them for like feedback on what I do first so that they could then feel open to be like, Oh, and what about me? Love it. But I asked for feedback and then like very, very um, basic feedback. Like, when you see my content, what are the first three things that come to your mind? Like, tell me, like, what bad things come to mind? Like, is it boring? Is it, like, too much? Is it silly? Just whatever. You can't hurt my feelings. Just please help me. Just say whatever. And then, um, instead, they took it the wrong route. They're like, oh, let me do some research and and um, I'll get back to you with, like, what the top influencers are doing and what hashtags work. And I'm like, oh, god damn it. Yeah. Anyway, and they didn't get back to me. So, I'm like, all right, well, fine. That's just what it is. And now... You're not going to progress. Yeah.
2: So I think as think far about- as it all goes, <laughs> yeah. sorry, man, I was just gonna say, as far as it all goes, whatever feedback it is, I mean, scope it out, take it with a grain mm. of salt. Nothing that people say is gospel, okay? Like, unless we're getting the feedback from Teller or Michael Weber or something of that nature, by all means, listen. But people can have their say and go, cool, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> and away you go. And do
1: you think, do you think that, um, because we get instant feedback and stuff now, having the internet. But like back like I don't know, a few thousand years ago when, when people do magic, I don't know who these people are yet, but Nick might know. But um like how would people give feedback back then? Would they just behead them or would they uh no, you know, tell I bad think,
2: stories? I think the building blocks of people who are hyper successful are ones that are hypercritical of themselves. And if you're anything like me, and I know I am Nothing you do is good enough. Nothing.
1: Did he miss like, the segue there, Josh? I think he just he's made it about himself again.
2: That but was the That was the God, segue. Here. God damn it! <laughs> still a, it's still a good point. And you know, let me finish my point. And I believe that's exactly what our topic today did for himself. Because, got there. Thank you. Well, you just see, you, you gotta, sorry. you gotta let a man, gotta well, let a man breathe. Gotta, okay. I'm chatty. I'm chatty today. Jeff, sorry about Get it. Your, Get your direction off me and put your love in me. Like I said, put your love in me. Let me give you some love I'm Just
0: back. offering some good magician advice.
1: No. <laughs> anyway, and that Excellent. brings us to today's
2: topic. <laughs> so last week, an anonymous speak pipe came through asking, who is the oldest magician on record? Josh and I thought it was Doug Con. Turns out we were wrong. <laughs> we were very wrong. And anyway- they
1: were saying in history, not alive today. They were saying like ever. I was like, all right. Oh,
2: ever. Right. And so I took it upon myself to do a little diligence and search, scour the internet and have conversations with many, many folk. And I came across a magician, which I want to tell you guys about today. Are we ready to begin?
0: I'm so glad you did this work. I started to do a lot of this work, and I dropped the ball. I'm glad that you're here for us
2: today. Nick well, that's Cady. great because um, I'm, I'm going to appreciate any sort of input you have on this. On this. I mean, I know concept. things, but
0: I didn't dig deep like I planned on it. I was like, I'm going to dig deep in this one and have the goods going in with the stuff. And eh, yeah, you know, I, I and then and then
1: the mug, and then the mug arrived, and you're like, well, no, oh, just yeah, this instead. Well.
0: I had, like I said, I did another podcast today. I did a short today. You know, I got a deck to promote yesterday. I did that. You know, I'm doing my thing. So sometimes.
1: How dare you pod before out? How how dare you pre pod?
0: How dare I? Because when Scott Wells here's was here's was the conversation. Hey Doug, I'm doing chats on exposure, and I just got done talking to Justin Flom and Murray Sawchuck, and I'd love to have you be part of this conversation. And I said, you got Flom to talk about it. Let's go. He Hmm. said for an hour he was just blah 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 blah. blah, I can't wait to hear what he has to say
1: can't wait to hear Flom talk about how oh, he wow. exposes quick change on TikTok.
0: But no, but he has a point of view. <laughs> and he and Scott and I shouldn't be saying too much about this, right? Like maybe I've said too much already. I'm
1: going to quit talking
0: about it, but
1: look, Flom, Flom is, is awesome. a genius at making content that people get puts eyeballs on, right? He
0: reportedly still loves the art of magic and has purpose with what he does. So, I'm I'm going to listen. I'm not saying that he's right, I'm just saying I'm going to listen to what his point of view is for this situation.
1: Fair, fair. But still you pre-podulated before our pod. And that's,
0: I probably am in trouble with Scott. Wells. I'm probably getting 86 now from the whole thing. I've wasted my day and now I'm here wasting your time with my rambling. I apologize to everyone. Skull, skull, skull. (laughs) Going back to the vodka.
1: All right. So Doug, (laughs) I'm Nick. You were saying,
2: (laughs) I used to play in a band, Doug.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna let me speak to Ed. The uh, I was at the New Orleans House of uh, New Orleans Playing Card Company. Man, he he uh, gifted me this legal tender deck, which is the short I did today. This deck is amazing. Uh, Probably more so if you're uh, if you live in the United States and are familiar with all the currency we have here. This is what inspired this deck of cards. Oh wow! Uh, These are the presidents that are on the. It's holographic, you know. You can see it there, right? I don't have my lighting all Yeah, it's great.
2: Yeah.
0: And then the, 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 like Mount Rushmore is the Joker's, and like the, the cards queen? all have holographic backgrounds on them. Oh. So anyway, an this was my short yeah. today. But what what uh, the tie-in here is, I was talking to the one of the designers at New Orleans Playing Card Company. We are actively working on that project. It should be going to. United States playing card company in February. So let's go.
1: Damn. All right. You know, I I tried to get a quote from the bicycle playing card company to have some decks made for Tom and they tried to fob me off. They're like, ah, well, you know, unless you, so if you get two, the minimum is two and a half thousand decks, but like for Australia, we're probably going to print it somewhere else if you put the order in. So you're better off getting it done somewhere else. (laughs) Cause uh, we'd have to do at least 5,000 decks. To print. Yeah, it I feel
0: fortunate to have someone who has been working with the United States playing card company for a while and knows the people mm. in the back air. Like he can email Bob and say, Hey Bob, That's I'm doing a is. thing and you know it's make it's happening. So
1: Yeah. Cause even even then I had to reply. I'm like, Well, let's say we did get five thousand decks. Please tell me, like, give me a number. They didn't yeah. they just tried to, you know.
0: Well, but no, this too. When I started this, getting this ball rolling, he said it was, this was November, and he said it's going to be June. You know, earliest. So it's a process. Even when the ball's rolling quickly. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know who didn't have that problem was the Egyptians because they didn't have the bicycle playing card company yet. They had right, to make all of their cards out of stone. And my God, imagine getting a thousand decks. They of have
0: cards, <laughs> Nick. Hey, did That's... Egyptians have playing cards?
2: They, no pi- paper wasn't a thing. that's why they carved everything in stone and whatever else. but yeah, um, right. there are some some scriptures yes but uh, let's let's jump into the history of the first known magician. And the first recorded magician in history is believed to be Dedi who performed in ancient Egypt around 2700 BC. Dedi's tale is woven into a rich tapestry of ancient Egyptian Egyptian history, at a time of the pharaohs ruled and the gods walked the land, or so the legends say. Dedi is often shrouded in mystery, and he emerges from these ancient tales as a figure of intrigue and enigmatic power. The earliest mentions of Dedi come from the Westcar Papyrus, an ancient Egyptian text dating back to the Middle Kingdom. This papyrus, a prized artifact. Paints a picture of Deddy as a magician with extraordinary skill. One can even impress the mighty pharaoh Kutufu. However, separating from fact from fiction in Deddy's story is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. The papyrus, while invaluable history document, is steeped in mythological elements. It portrays Deddy as a man advanced in age, like Doug. Doug? What's up? Okay, it's not.
0: It might have been.
1: Advanced in seem- age is like 15 back then, by the way.
2: Yeah. Now, possessing magical abilities that defy the laws of nature. In one instance, he said that he has tamed wild be- beasts, conversing with them like one would a fellow human. Guys, this is a real life Dr. Doolittle. Like Doolittle. This cat can actually talk to animals. Hmm. Sure. That, that makes
0: sense. You would think the early Magi would go that direction.
2: Well, I guess yeah. I will because I guess you could train and be like, no, I speak, I speak duck. Check this out. Hey, quack. And it's like, that's what I said. I said to go walk over there. That was,
1: mm. that was what I did. Were people yeah. more gullible back then or were they still pretty savvy? I think they were. Man. Like, come on. Were they doing this? Like, had they, like, if someone did this, would they be <laughs> like, oh my God, he's the new pharaoh. <laughs>
2: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they are. But the thing is <laughs> Deddy did like like the removing appendage, like the thumb coming off sort of deal, but he did it with animals. And I'll tell you more as the story goes on. Cause you see, Deddy uh, as a real historical figure, like or is he a, a myth or a legend? It's not sure. Like the truth is, as often as the case with these ancient stories, it probably lies somewhere in between, which is gonna get lost. Like these stories will get lost to the sands of time. But why is Deddy so significant, more importantly? And why does it captivate us even today? Now, the answer might lie in the human fascination with the supernatural, and maybe he was seen as a, not as a performer, but as a mediator between the realms of the humans and the gods performing these absolute miracles. It's important to note that he wasn't just a one trick pony. His repertoire, actually, it was really diverse and awe inspiring. But was he a creator of these tricks as well? There's a lot of questions that get raised here. Did he create these tricks? Or were they already pre-existing? And he just mastered them. We'll cover that later on in the story. We actually talk about all of his most famous effects. Now, as far as history goes, I tried to find the very beginning of when he was born and everything else, but it was hard. Because the early life of Deddy, much like his story, is, is lost in the midst of time. Now, piecing together these from the beginnings... It's, it's, it was extremely difficult for me, I'll be honest. Like, I looked up many historical records. I couldn't find a lot. But here's what I do know. We know that he most likely lived in the reign of Farrakatufu, which was around <clears throat> 2700 BC. As for his birthplace, no idea. As for his family life, that too is shrouded in mystery. The ancient texts focus more on the magical feats and leave out the mundane details of his marital status or his family ties, However, that lack of information doesn't diminish the intrigue surrounding it. If anything, it adds to his mystique. Now, for me, I wonder, was Deddy like, De- a solitary figure? Just married to his class, to his craft, and just a lonely guy in his apartment, doing magic and doing gigs and whatever else? Or do you guys think he was more of a family man and he performed for his family?
1: Well, if I, he only performed for his family, how would it, how would this story get out I so doubt crazily to the world? Right, that magicians
0: performed, performed for their family ever in those times. You it think? was acts of gods at the time. It wasn't a magic trick. It was real mm. magic, is what they were.
1: Conveying. It was like that's right. It was like this guy can part the sea. Well, look, I can take this cat's leg off and put it back on really yeah. quick.
0: I can restore life, is what he's conveying.
1: Yeah, because was you know we don't even know if the preconception of entertainment was a thing back then in terms of like puzzle, like doing these puzzle things that they don't know how it's done.
0: Yeah, the magic would not be that at all. It would be totally motivated to impress the viewer, like it should mm. be anyway, and as opposed to sat- satisfying the magician. For satisfying the viewers' needs and what they would be impressed with,
1: mm. you know? or would it be like you doing it to um, enhance storytelling? Like they're telling stories to the village, and they—you
2: know what—that is exa- things to. That is exactly what they did in those times, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, Such like, a funny like, story. Now you see, fuck yeah! In the world of yeah, in the world of ancient remember, magic,
0: it's like a pastor, to... like a pastor or a god would do. He would tell his stories to his congregation. And in this case, I truly believe they're asking them to believe in real magic.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now, but here's some of the effects he did, but we'll touch upon that real quick. So like in the world of ancient magic, Diddy was a true innovator and a master of illusion whose feats would shape the mystical arts for centuries to come. His repertoire, though viewed through the lens of myth, showcases not just tricks, but a profound understanding of psychology and drama. So myth is an
0: important word. I, I don't want to harp on this, but this man is a, not a documented figure. He uh, you've returned to this and he is potentially uh Peter Pan, you know, or, you know, a Merlin. It's, it's not, mm. not documented that this individual ever existed. Correct. You can go to, you can go to uh, one of the Egyptian Kings who was reportedly taught. And maybe we're going there by Dede. And now this man might be the first magician who performed magic as a king, and we can document that with a date. Mm. But I'm not sure if the Greeks, the Greek, don't predate this man. And if we're going that direction for actual documentation, we might look in that direction. But
2: exactly I'm more and interested in
0: what of- Nick has to say.
2: Well, that's the thing when you look at something that's this old and you don't have a lot of documentation to to, to back it, you're basically sp- Faced with exactly what we're talking about, it raises more questions than it answers. So mm-hmm. here's what we do know. Okay. Because when we pull back the curtain and explore some of his legendary feats, one of the most, one of the things he was most famous for was decapitating animals. Okay. So it was a reanimation of a decapitated animal. Now imagine this he's in the Pharaoh's court. Didi is asked to perform his magic. He then takes a goose, cuts off its head, and then puts it back on, bringing it back to life. The bird waddles away, very much alive, leaving the audience astounded. Now he reportedly performed this miracle with other animals, like an ox, and also a duck. Now and and dragons, possibly reportedly. But here's the, but here's the thing. I did mention earlier that his influence really did, you know, carry on to centuries. I've hung out with um, Kevin, uh, Kevin James. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And same thing, man. Like he used to rip the head off a goose and put it back on as <laughs> well. You know? True. Dave
0: um, did that. He took off. Uh, he, didn't he switch the heads of two animals? He did a chicken and a duck. David Copperfield I, did that effect on one of his television specials, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, head of a chicken,
0: the head of a duck, switch places. That's the trick.
1: And didn't someone on that. like one of the early seasons of Fool Us? They took like a different. It was like a different colored head of a chicken or a goose and put it
2: on the. Oh, maybe it was that
0: two different colored, like, colored chickens. Or like something. a yeah, brown yeah. head neck like that.
1: My buddy.
2: Yeah, but yeah. this is the thing, like look look where it comes from. So, like, this is something that's influencing stuff even today. I mean, even you look at Kevin mm-hmm. James's um, soaring in half routine, which is probably the best soaring in half routine where the guy's alive and you can pass his hand through mm-hmm. the center of him and you know, an absolute killer piece of magic. But no, nope. That's just something that's been influenced even till today. So pretty cool stuff. The next effect we want to talk upon is uh what I call like the Dr. Doolittle. So, Dedic was that he was supposedly able to converse with animals. Now, when I read a few different resources on this, it, it, it was kind of interesting. One notion was saying that it was him having a conversation and conversing with her, And the other one was sort of saying that it wasn't a conversation. He was like doing more of a ventriloquist type routine. Okay? But mm. he did that, he used it in, in, in like what Josh mentioned earlier, by doing it as a form of storytelling. And he would use his, this technique and weave it between telling certain narratives of stories about the old times and so forth.
0: The old times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Now, this Dr. Dolittle thing, this whole vent act Mm -hmm. like,
0: (sighs) look, this is why you find vent books in the magic section. You know, the ventriloquism books. When I went to the library, I could learn to be a ventriloquism ventriloquist, but I didn't never check that one out. You know, same ballpark. Hmm. You get your your mind wrapped around what you can do. You know, you're living in ancient Egypt. You look around you and you go, what am I going to do magic with? And what are your resources? You know, a lot of cats cats running around and some chickens. So that's what you do tricks with. What's the trick?
2: Well, that's a good point. You know, you sort of perform with things that are indigenous to your location. And that brings me to the last trick I want to make mention that, well, has been credited to him. And that is the invention of the cups and balls. So, exactly. Right. So, but there is reference of him doing it in these scriptures. So here's what I found hmm. on this. Now, among many contributions Deddy is cre- uh, credited with, the invention of the cup and balls trick stands as a testament to his ingenuity and creativity. So it's probably even older than him is what I assume. Right. And to my knowledge. No, I don't assume that.
0: Huh. But go right. On. Yes, we'll but it was,
2: yeah, now it was said that when he performed it, it was done in a very simple manner <laughs> using cups and stones as the ball. Okay, now his version of the trick might not have been overly impressive and maybe more rudimentary as far as like its modern reiterations, but the core principles were the same. And it's fascinating to think that this trick see thousands of years ago today is still performed today.
1: You know what I wonder is, back when he was performing it, was he doing the whole thing of, you know, at the section of the cups and balls when you reveal that you can do the fake take? Was he like, yeah. do you know what you call this? What six years without a mistress? Yeah. Like, was he using that line? <laughs> yes,
0: that's been in street magicians' repertoire since ancient Egypt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you, you uh, know what? Uh, this how whole many time balls been, under the cup? That's right. <laughs> Five? No, it's three. You're dead. What, what about you, sir? Two? No, off with his head. All right. All right. I keep telling it's, you. It's- and underneath the final load is that heckler's head. Poof. And they give the applause. Ah. Okay, you I have a real probably pressing- probably that
0: trick in ancient Egypt. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. buddy? We'll see you at the end of the show.
2: Holy <laughs> crap. Holy crap. I love this idea of, of someone heckling him and, and they're like, the last time I heard that joke, I fell off my dinosaur like, is this yeah. really, you know, like, Whoa. that was yesterday
1: <laughs> okay I, I have a real pressing question this whole talk of history yeah and maybe there's a simple answer here but okay we reference points in time as like BC and then all the time after it but how 80. did people like 80 right thank you <laughs> um, but how did people keep time before Jesus was the time setter Like, what did they, you know what I'm saying? How do people keep time? I'll I'll talk about one one way, even they didn't, they didn't, yeah, because they didn't go, you know, oh, it's the year 200 BC (laughs) right now, you know? (laughs) Okay. So,
0: whoever showed up before the Egyptians built things like the pyramids 10,000 years ago, being interesting to know who their magicians were Mm. before the great flood wiped them out. Ten years. Yeah, this is my belief, and and these are our forefathers. And I would hazard, like you know, it's a shame that the cavemen couldn't document their tricks because I bet they were doing them. You know, yeah,
1: they had to keep themselves entertained in those caves. It just um, seems
0: like natural kind of inclination for a human, maybe, to want to possess or at least exude power in that fashion. They would, I would think, uh, it would be something. Uh, 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 an evolution of a brain would go towards, obviously, because it happened.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, I get that, but it's it's not for everyone. You know what I mean? Like, of, of, all, the use, well, of all the things that you would use, of all the things that you would like. Okay, so if we're gonna gauge exactly what you said by saying like, who wouldn't want power? I think power looked different in those days. I think power was quite literally who had the biggest stick. Who could? Who could? The, just, you know, I'm who could, just saying, it's
0: natural human instinct to want to go that direction, be it magic or guns. You know, there's all kinds of ways to have power. Ma- magic, the perception of it, yeah, as is ever mm. by eight million. You know, uh, organized religions. <laughs> you know, right. it's like it works. You know, it works. This is a way <laughs> you,
1: see, you see in movies like The Scorpion King and stuff. Although you know, fictional movie, they would have you know, they would have this beautiful. uh Future teller that would be by the king's side that that could help you know give the indication if yeah. they're going to win the war and things like that.
0: That's the path we went. That's the direction we went after you know the early times.
2: Yeah, but it was like it was said at the start of this story. It was magicians and people who would have this talent were seen as people who could link between like the present and 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 the gods and the future and things of that nature. So it's the, the fortune telling notion, the, the, having this, this foresight, being able to predict the future, mm. you know, it would be, it would be pretty epic.
0: Must've been interesting to be a magician in those days, especially, you know, as it was, uh, you were the King's wise man and, and expected to have powers and do things that were truly magical. Well, I also, well, I've Those guys kept a secret. Not much yeah. exposing going on then.
2: Well, that's the thing. I often wonder, like, what would happen in the days where it's like, she's a witch, and then burn the people. You know what I mean? Like, what would happen... <laughs> God damn! If you know, imagine you do cups and bowls, and they go, well, looks like we're cooking that cat tonight, you know, and they put you to a stake and burn you alive.
1: And yeah, people are freaking messed up back then, weren't they?
0: <laughs> the Salem witch trials in this country... Oh, my. What a way to go.
1: Bloody hell. Another, yeah.
0: another. you know, let me just not talk more about organized religion. Let's not do that.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, moving on. The pinnacle of Diddy's career as a magician was arguably his performances at the court of the Pharaoh Kutufu. These performances not only elevated his status, but were also intertwined his legacy with the grand narratives of ancient Egyptian history. Dedi's arrival at the pharaoh's uh, court was uh, not just a professional engagement, but it was a spectacle that merged the realms of magic and royalty. According to the tales, Pharaoh Katufu, intrigued by the stories of Dedi's magical powers, summoned him to the royal palace. This was a significant moment as the acknowledgement of Dedi's skills by one of the most powerful figures of the time In the grand setting of the court, Deddy's performance took place on a new level of spectacle. One of his most famous acts involved, of, of course, the removing the head of an animal. So the story goes, after being challenged by the pharaoh, decapitated a bird, possibly a goose or a duck, and then miraculously brought it back to life. So he performed that for the pharaohs. like That was... Awesome. Now, these performances at the court did more than entertain. They elevated the status of magicians in, in the ancient uh, Egyptian society. So that he was not merely a court gesture, but an entertainer. And he was a figure that was respected and also fascinated. His presence in the pharaoh's court suggested that the magic was more than just a pastime, but it was an art form that was appreciated by the highest echelons of society. So Deddy's time at that court also highlights the intersection of magic and politics. So by performing for the pharaoh, Dede wasn't just showcasing his skills. He was also navigating complex dynamics of power and influence. Now think about that for a sec. We're talking about the influence of the power and influence. Think about the the first magic lesson we did when we talked about Robert Houdam and how his influence stop the war using the light Mm. and heavy chest. So it just goes to show the strength that magic has at any time in history. So we got to create, so when was
1: the last time something like that happened? Like Robejo Dan stopped the war. Has any other magical things since then been world changing? When Copperfield vanished the Statue of Liberty, was that like a – did that change people's perception? I I think that was an iconic
0: moment, and I would say the closest thing to that would be what David Blaine has done. You know, I think some of his uh, stunts have transcended, you know, standard magic and can affect people emotionally on another level. So.
1: Mm. Yeah, true. And then, you know, when Nick – pulls that card out of the the pressure fan under pressure so fast it's
0: you're destined to be the king's wise man i hope you're ready
1: Mm. Mm.
2: well you know maybe in some capacity or another we can influence that you know if we just we tell a decent story or we 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 do things that actually matter but we use magic as the medium so that's all it is magic is just a means of being able to communicate you know so you can use it as a medium through which your relationships can can be forged and maintained you can do that within a royal court you could do that within your family you can do that within strangers but it's one of the best ways you can break down the walls and set up these friendships so Mm -hmm. you know and i mean this is go on
1: no just you know with all that influence and skill and then if you have enough
2: tiktok followers you can change the world (laughs) that's all i was going to (laughs) say Well, maybe you can, maybe you can, you know, but look, it goes on to say that (sighs) Dedi's performance of the Pharaoh Dufus court represented a significant milestone in his career. And they illustrated not only his extraordinary talent, but also his important role in these ancient stories. Dedi in the Royal setting transformed a mere magician into a legendary figure as an artist whose stage was the court and the audience was royalty. So, the fact that even magic as an art form is being acknowledged by someone as affluent as royalty, that's important. That's the important Mm. thing. And, you know, Robert Houdin isn't too different from that. You know, it went through a a time where, you know, it was just seen as just something that was performed at fairs to entertain children. And nowadays, we're actually performing it for the most affluent. Doesn't
1: that mean something that. Absolutely. That was, that was, that was your promo reel back then. It's, I've done magic for the most powerful person on the universe. So
2: yeah. Yeah. I did it, perform for our prime minister once. trophy. Yeah. Yeah. I did perform for Julia Gillard once. She was actually really lovely.
1: Oh, that's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Julia Gillard um, was our first female prime minister.
1: What did you, what was your choice of effect?
2: I think I just did my normal card shtick, which is my card in the box and invisible deck um, that I do with my index. So, yeah, good bit Beautiful. of kit. Yeah. Oh, here we go, Doug. For those who are watching, Ugh. a full recreation of the amazing decapitation oh and reattaching of the head. <laughs> and not once but twice, and the bird wow. vanishes.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Old school. I heard, um, do you know which magician it was that would uh, pluck the feathers out of a chicken and then serve it, like make it look like it's being served and then bring it back to life? I oh, was it Malini? That was Max Malini. Yeah. Bloody hell. Imagine that. Like oh, He was an
0: important figure in the history of magic, I think for taking what would have been, a, you know, wizard robe situation and, Taking it into the court of kings and 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 so on, he was he performed for the most elite and did yeah. so with sleight of hand magic. You know, a little different maybe than what some of the other peers of his might have been doing.
2: Far you know, out. Yeah, and I think I think we we are going to be fighting that for a long, long time. I mean, one of the things that we in Australia are fighting, as far as recognition goes i mean it's great at the recognition from the affluent from the royals etc but one thing that magic is not identified as in australia is that it's not identified as an art form and it's that might not seem like a very big deal but the benefit of if it was was Mm. is that we would be able to receive grants from the government so we would be able to apply for Five to $10,000 grants from the government, which they can use to create magic shows or do magic pieces or do things, you know, that, that elevate the art. But instead we get to go, we, we get these hippies that are coming out of like art school who are going, I want a 10 grand thing. And they go and put on a show that no one cares about, but it's art, you know, and so yeah, doesn't really do all well too much. But look, I like art. I do like art. I'm a big fan of the art museum. I go there often. I perform there often. But until magic is actually seen like that, and more importantly, that we magicians elevate it to a a point where it is art, then, We'll just keep trying. It just so.
0: recently happened in this country, you know. After hundreds of years, uh, David Copperfield had a big push for this, and the uh, whatever the process is for some people to say yes, yeah, so it's art. It happened in America, so now yeah, we can yeah, apply yeah. for these things and be denied. But at least we can apply. You know, it's it's
1: good. And G- Garrett Thomas was a big advocate for that too, wasn't he? Did he? He helped in the. It
0: surprised me. He's a wonderful, wonderful man, magician and scholar. So yeah. Hmm. You know, we, we well, should be like, all we could all have the Doug Henning story where we say, hey, government, I have some hopes and dreams. Would you like to see them come to life? And then you become one of the greatest uh, magical entertainers the world's ever seen because they believed in you. And you could follow those dreams with the support of your, uh, you know, hard paying tax dollars. Yeah. Not happening here, though.
2: Well, this, this leads into the, the next point I wanted to make uh, in this story really, really well, because it was about... A, a, for me, I, I wanted to explore what Deddy actually was influencing. So Deddy's story, although woven in the fabrics of ancient Egyptian folklore, left an indelible mark on the world of magic and beyond. His legacy is not just one of tricks that he performed, but the sense of wonder and impossibility he installed. So if we explore the legend influence and you know the of generations and so forth that they came around today here's what i kind of found so his performances particularly the removing of the head were not just acts of entertainment but they were demonstrations of skill and ingenuity and they would inspire magicians for centuries and i wrote down kevin james as this as this example so he's still performing things to this day where he removes that and if anyone's been to his lecture and seen how hilarious the story is of him removing the goose's head and putting it back on. It's hilarious. So by all means, watch that. Now, Deddy showed that magic was more than just trickery, but a form of storytelling, a way to engage and captivate an audience to make them believe in the impossible. Now, if only, even if only for a moment, now think about the magicians who have done this. There are countless amounts of magicians. Look at Copperfield. Anyone who has been to Copperfield's show. I don't know if, if, you're anything like me, and I know I am, when I see that freaking alien in the show, I'm holding up those stupid hand signals, so happy that the alien did, you know, what it was yeah. supposed to do without ruining the story for nobody, you know. But I was suckered into that. And that is the power of storytelling. Look at Arc Wynn, great storyteller. Bill Malone, great storyteller, you know, mm. comedic storyteller, but erroneous of that great storytelling. And it just goes to show that magic and storytelling are walk hand in hand perfectly. And that he can be seen as a cultural icon of ancient Egypt and a figure who represents the mystique and the allure of civilization long gone. His tales passed down through generations offer a glimpse into the beliefs and values of ancient Egyptians and their fascination with life, death, and the supernatural in a world where so much is explained and understood The Legend of Dede remains to us a magical mystery and a lure of the unexplained. So in conclusion, he's a pioneer of magic, a cultural icon, Mm. a symbol of the enduring human fascination of the supernatural, and with his story through through the ancients, continue to inspire and entertain, provoke wonder, and is a true testament to his lasting impact on the world. Agreed? (laughs)
1: Agreed, and I think you know all we'd have to say to him if he was if he was still here today is we'd say, uh, "Thank you for your patronage." Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. That's um, man. If if only there was a way to go back in time and see, because like maybe all he actually did was like a retention vanish, but that was so revolutionary that you know that's what made it through the decades of time. Well um,
0: you know, like we know it only takes five good tricks to be a good magician, you know so yeah. if one yeah. of them's pulling a the head off a animal and put it back on, now you only need four more. if your cat talks, yeah. the other yeah. three don't even need to be that good.
2: <laughs> you know yeah yeah and look, and who knows for all we know that you know how many times have, have someone how many times have someone seen your magic? And they go, he did this because it's just been so overly exaggerated. Yeah. Oh no, man, I was doing this and I and I held it and I looked back and then there was an apple there and I'm like, man, I wish I saw that trick. You and know? I very yeah. much
0: think this is the case for Didi. Uh, and I uh, last week I said Horus because he is w- like the original Egyptian god. And I think this generally referred to as a creature sometimes take human form. This probably is the oldest documented magical figure. And Mm. uh, I say that documented because I'm quite sure whoever built those pyramids were doing magic tricks and probably influenced that guy, you know? um,
1: So. Isn't it so crazy that even today we still don't know the full details, like how they were built, why they were built. Yeah. How long did it take? Like that whole civilization. There's some amazing work gone? being
0: done on it these days. You know, in fact, it's one of the things I take, uh, it, uh, one of, I entertain my brain by researching uh, ancient histories, like civilizations that were around in that era and mm. the ones that were around 10,000 years before that. Uh, I'm quite convinced there was another civilization about 12,000 years ago that got wiped out and the Egyptians found the pyramids. They found the Sphinx. They altered oh. the Sphinx's head to look Oof. like a to look like a uh, pharaoh. It was a lie.
1: Oh, um, you
0: know, it's a rabbit hole that you know could be a three hour podcast. I've listened to several of them.
1: <laughs> you know, and then what? What's the go with these pyramids today? Like, are they still stable? Are they like brittle because they've been?
0: They're, you know, some of those blocks are seven tons. They're, it's that's the, the, that's the thing the, the these things were built with such precision. It's unfathomable, literally, it's unfathomable to our minds. To, to mm. there's theories,
1: there's why theories. Hasn't, like, why hasn't Elon Musk or someone paid to have a new pyramid built like right next to like the old ones? Like, I oh, yeah, well, I'm going to make mine.
0: Like, literally, before the between the pyramids and the, ne- the next great structure humans built, the next great structure was the Eiffel Tower. Do the math and compare the two.
1: Yeah, like, let, like, say our civilization gets wiped out. I mean, inevitably at some point, right? But hopefully not for a million years or I whatever. Mean, but let's say our civilization gets wiped out. What the heck of our stuff is going to hang around for thousands of years?
0: Exactly, yeah. And there's, there's the name magic buzz. You want to learn more, go learn about Graham Hancock and what he's been studying for the last 30 years of his life. Mm. Uh, It's been on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of times. That's a good place to start, but he's got a lot of great books. Um, Some interesting uh, books about underwater civilizations that have yet to be discovered because when this flood happened, they all got drowned. So that's waiting to be discovered too as well as uh, the lands in Africa, you know, that are covered with rainforest.
1: Yeah. Pasha makes a great point. Um, in a million years, Nokia phones will still be around. <laughs> Those things are un- unstoppable. Nokia 3310, that was the, uh, the revolutionary one for, just, uh, for my era.
2: It's just going to be a civilization of like cockroaches, Nokia phones, and, and Toyota Hiluxes because they're unbreakable. <laughs>
1: Is there a magic prop that's unbreakable? Maybe coins, but like, is there something they could find? Like, what did people use to use?
0: These scary animal cups. Yeah. These might be around for another 5,000 years. I tried to break them. That's for sure. They've hit the cobblestones of the French Quarter a couple hundred times. Are
1: there cups, Doug? Are there cups that exist um, from history that people still have that are like a few hundred years old? Like, Mm -hmm. because obviously those cups don't. Like, they're made to last. It'd
0: be interesting. I don't know what the oldest cups, like, Bill Palmer has the collection. He has an enormous catalog collection. He's the guy that would know.
1: Because, like, those cups you just showed me, you know, in 300 years, where will they be? Because someone's right. going to have them and logged them as, like, these used to belong to yeah. Douglas Kahn. Right. You know.
0: That'd be cool. Mm. They're going to be buried in Sexy Dave's Museum locked away like the Indiana Jones, you know, museum. <laughs> It'll be in a brown box in some tube somewhere.
2: Yeah, totally. Now, look, but here's the thing. Maybe the intention was to perform it with something that was easily identified, like a cup, you know. Obviously, we engineered mm. it as magicians to a point where it better served our purpose. But, you know, my friend Gareth Bell, Gareth Dwilo, as his performing name is, he um, he, he, he will only do it with borrowed objects. Like, he will go... To someone's house and grab their stuff which has worked out bad for him one time he grabbed some expensive china and broke some crap but um otherwise yeah like it's maybe that was the intention to to perform it in its purest form of going let me take those coffee cups from your dining table and perform it was them. probably
0: like this it was probably like this are you hungry well let me take this seed and i'll put the seed in the cup and we'll make fruit and oh, that's yeah. <laughs>
1: You just started a cult, my friend, if you were back then, if you were in Didi's realm. Like that's – you just now will have a book written about you that will – people will – it will be the most sold book in the world every year throughout history for that because that was
0: – It's latex lemon. When people pretty- say that he's doing the cups from law, <laughs> that's probably what he was doing, taking a, a, an eating instrument and creating, you know, food. That's my guess. Yeah. But I really yeah. think those hieroglyphics—they're just having some soup. They're just eating yeah. a meal. I don't even think yeah. it's a trip.
1: The hieroglyphics well, you know are like the magic cafe of back then. Yeah,
0: it's nice to dream. Yeah. Though I mean, maybe I like hearing yeah. the tales of him actually performing a cup routine. I didn't know that was documented in this papyrus, and now I really want to know what the, that thing exactly says. I don't want the yeah, interpretation. Well, I'd like the like the best.
2: Well, early. yeah, like I said, a lot of information is lost in the stands standard of time and, and, to, and to, you know, the ancient language that it was. But that's yeah, right. the thing, man. You know, th- this is what makes it so difficult to, to sort of track this thing. Like, for me, it's just great to know where you came from, to, to know where you're going. That's what I enjoy yeah. researching these, these questions about history that we have.
1: The dinosaurs made the pyramids. I don't know. I don't know.
2: Possibly, the man. Big
1: enough. I mean... Maybe the they've blocks, always been.
0: The blocks came from hundreds of miles away. It's not now like he, they just dug them up right there.
1: Well, here's the thing: was it was it built or was it carved away? Built from a, from a mountain, made. for example, was it a mountain no. and they carved out the things? Well,
0: it's suggested no. that were, technology- were you there.
1: How do you know? No one was.
0: And, and, and <laughs> and they, the, the theory is they just went a different direction. We went with combustion engines and pulleys and weights, and maybe mm. they figured out how to manipulate gravity and open portals. You know, anything's possible 12,000 years ago. Look where we're at now. We're doing this. I could not have fathomed mm. this 10 years ago. Like, I'm chatting with Australian magicians, clear as yeah. a bell, and, and
1: well, I've had blurrier conversations with friends in real life, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah,
0: right. So,
2: uh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the question I have is that I think that there needs to be space for creativity, and the reason I say that is that, like, if you are someone who is constantly in survival it's my mode, fault.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's my fault. Kind of, where
2: the you guy. coming, bitch? Yeah, they're paranoid, paranoid. They are
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the conspiracy
0: guys. I think it's important to, you know, familiarize yourself with the related subject matter because it is very mystic stuff, you know, that, that yeah. Intrigues
2: yeah. people. But, but here, here's the thing, right? So my theory now, as we talk about this, what I'm formulating in my mind is that I believe that you need to have some leisure time in order to be creative. It's kind of hard to be creative when, when your main thought process or, or, You know, your cognitive capacity is taken up by just being in pure survival mode. And in those days, I imagine that's kind of what it was. Like, where's the next meal coming from? Where are we going to get our next... Where are we going to get water from? Et cetera, et cetera. Like, survival mode was a thing. So I kind of think that... I'm thinking that Nettie maybe was kind of affluent himself because he had the leisure time to create, perhaps. Or, maybe he was just, like myself, constantly creating, like... I get creative, while I do laundry. You I one creative.
0: look at all those rock movers, and he's like, "I got to figure something else out." I am not going to be pushing those rocks up that that thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like if, if we're at a point where we're building pyramids like you know, through levitation, and you take your thumb off, wow.
1: <laughs> <sighs> and like, why did you build that pyramid? Well, my cats needed a bigger place to. Play, you know
0: they align you know? the true north, and the dimensions are aligned to the planet itself, and it's a yeah. beacon for the aliens' return. That's my prediction. You heard it here supposedly, first.
2: Supposedly, supposedly yeah. matching matching pyramids in the exact same dimensions, as far as. Like to scale, but on Mars as well. So we can go around
0: around the, around the planet as well. And it is a natural formation. Mm. Like it's makes sense for humans to build a pyramid. But if you look around the world about the same time, there's a lot of pyramids. It's not just Egypt. And there's a lot of them we haven't discovered yet because they've been buried for 12,000 years.
1: We damn. Well, you know, uh, I got my sponge balls and, you know, ready to (laughs) do my magic.
2: <laughs> Welcome. We've been doing hey, this for a while. Actually, an hour, I, you know, that's true. On. I just
1: did a triangle trick yesterday, so look at me, pre preempting oh, yeah, the, you did. all this pyramid like talk. Video today. Thank you, thank you. Um, man, well, we're out of time. That just well, zipped by. I,
2: I think that about wraps up our uh, time today. I think we're out of time to do the Piper Magic product review, but fear or not, friends. The link has been posted for the product that I reviewed this week, which is. Uh, bubble, uh, magic, bubble, bubble, bubble ring by Adrian Varga. It's a super cool trick in which you can take a ring, banish it, you blow a bubble, and when you pop the bubble, that ring appears on the ring of the bubble wand. So I've gone ahead and reviewed that for you guys. You can scope that one out. Super cool trick. Super cool trick with many handlings that work in both stage, parlor, and even close-up, which is my favorite handling, the close-up method. Super cool trick. So to save you guys Hell the time, yeah. go ahead and hit the link, scope that out. It's now live on my YouTube channel. So, by all means, scope that out. And of course, if you're going to purchase it, make sure you use the discount code PiperGuys so that you can get a discount on all of your magic purchases from pipermagic.com.au. Thank you,
1: nice. Piper Magic. Yeah. Thank you for sending Nick stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that the link is in the. YouTube description, <laughs> but also we fired back up, um, on the discord. We've been using the discord more often now. And, uh, so that link, I, I took that link off for, for many, many episodes. Cause it just it was kind of sitting there. So it's back yeah. in the description below. I like it. Uh, I've been in there kind of every day. It's been cool because I've been able to get your feedback without it being in a, in a more of a public setting. So that's dope. Jump back on there. And, um, let's, no let's I think Love let's have that. a final word from, uh, from Doug, from Dougie. Let's uh, end this podulation with some um, Douglas. Uh... Yeah, let's go. God damn it. I was trying to think of a. Well, knowledge-
0: you're going to curse knowledge- about knowledge-
1: it. Anyway.
0: <laughs> Love you. Man, I love hearing that the Discord is being pointed at again. This is a great resource that I've only recently become acclimated with like over the last year. And in my opinion, it's probably the best place for magicians to come together and have a community on like-minded subjects. So my last word is go get on the Discord. Drop us some constructive criticism and we'll make this experience better for you. Thanks for watching tonight. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. It's time for us
2: to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of The Magic Guys.